it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my co-host, Megan Hasslein. Hey Meredith, so happy to be back. Um, it's been a minute, but I'm glad that we get to talk about some hot topics today together. I know. Uh, I can't believe, well, we are recording this on June 1st, and I can't believe it's already June 1st. I know it's unreal because I finished classes at Ohio State like about a month ago, over a month ago. So I've just been enjoying my summer break and it's already flying by. I can't believe a month is already gone, but hey, at least it's finally summer. But then again, that's not much sports wise, but hey, we'll find something to talk about. It's true. Um, well, we are so excited to have you on the show today to talk through some hot topics, including Transfer Portal, NIL, and why the heck college football is choosing to be so dramatic, uh, probably like you said, because there's not a whole lot else going on. Um, but we've got some walk-in items uh, that we want to get to first. So kicking things off, uh, Megan, have you had a chance to watch any of the French Open? Oh my gosh, yes. It has been so exciting. I just love watching all of these young players kind of taking over, um, especially Coco Goff. She's finally in semi-final beating Sloane Stevens. She has been so fun to watch. And honestly, just so many on the men's side has been just so exciting, especially Carlos Alcaraz. I know he did lose to Alex Zverev, but he was on like a 14-match winning streak. He was doing amazing. And then obviously the Djokovic and Joel match was just a classic as always. So 
I mean, every match has just been so exciting. So I just can't wait to see how it turns out. Yeah. I, especially like you said on the women's side, I love that we're seeing these like newer personalities. I guess Sloane Stevens has been around for a minute, but she's mm-hmm. still so young. Right. Um, but it's, I don't know. I don't know who to root for on the women's side because I love all of these players so much. Right. I think I got to go with Coco. I want her to win her first career major. I mean, it's not going to be easy because world number one, Iga Swiatek, has just been so dominant. She's on, what, a 32-match win streak? So she's going to be difficult to beat, but Coco's in the semis, so we'll see where she can go from here. But I think she's going to be my girl that I'm rooting for you know, in this major. Yeah. I got super jealous. So work has been very, very busy for a while now. Mm-hmm. And there I was on Instagram and my friend went to a wedding in Paris and then like started posting from the French Open. Um, That sounds heavenly. It what? Was, that sounds so fun. I mean, first of all, the wedding looked amazing, but then also like she was like at the French Open. Um. And I, and that's how I realized that the French Open was happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get, get you a little bit jealous to realize, oh, I'm not there, but yeah. hey, I can at least watch it from home. I also was listening to a podcast. Do you know why it's called Roland Garros? I do not. He was like one of the first like French pilots, like a French aviator. Okay. Like I think in World War One, I, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about him and I was like oh that name sounds familiar and then they were like oh yes he's the namesake of Roland Garros the tennis venue that's interesting I guess yeah a little you know aviation aviator okay yeah interesting for sure um well uh that's wrapping up this weekend I believe right uh yes I believe so um, so lots of exciting tennis to watch this weekend. Um, a little bit closer to home, I saw a report yesterday that Aaron Donald and the Rams are struggling to reach a deal on his contract and he might like retire. I cannot tell if he is bluffing or not because he's like been saying all along since you know the Rams won the Super Bowl that he would be fine with playing another year with the Rams, but he'd also be fine with retiring and I'm just like I I I think I believe him because there's honestly no better way to end your career winning a Super Bowl going out on top like that and just being one of the best players if not the best player in the league but he just has so much more to give I feel like like he's definitely still has a few good years left so I don't know I feel like they gotta at least make an intriguing offer to him I I can't tell. I can't tell if he's serious about retirement, but I guess we'll see. But I don't know how the Rams could just, you know, let him walk like that. But I guess, you know, in the next few weeks, we'll see if they can come to an agreement. Yeah. I mean, this isn't like a new story, though. It's a new twist. But, you know, we have seen players retiring earlier and earlier just because they don't want to play anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Football is a hard sport on your body. He's I mean, he is only 29 or I know, sorry, he's 31 years old. Um, so, he, I mean, he's been around for a minute, but perhaps this will pave the way for the Boses and Chase Young to have 
full reign of, you know, the top defensive end spots in the NFL. Right. I mean, that's true. But I don't know. It would be sad to see him go because he has just been so dominant his entire career. But yeah, like you said, maybe it is time for some of the younger guys to take his place. But I personally, I feel like he's not going to retire. That's my personal opinion. But I guess we'll see. It's hard to imagine like that the Rams wouldn't pay up for him or another team pay up for him. But yeah, maybe his price is too high because there's other things he wants to do. We'll see. Um, But, uh, you know, football is still far away. There is some time for that deal to come to fruition. However, what there's not a lot of time until is NBA Finals Game 1, which is Thursday night. Uh, Megan, who do you have? Okay, can I just say I'm so excited for this series. I think it's going to be so good. But for Game 1, i got to go with the Warriors. They're playing at home, and I'm pretty sure they're undefeated at home in the playoffs. So I think just they've had more rest than the Celtics because they beat Dallas earlier. Um, And then just with the fans and the experience they have in the finals, I think no doubt they're going to win Game 1. I think it's going to be a back-and-forth series. I don't think it's going to be a sweep, but I think the Warriors are going to take the first game. Yeah, I unfortunately tend to agree. Um, (laughs) I definitely groaned when they beat Dallas because, I don't know, feels like the Warriors have had their time. It's kind of like every time the Patriots made the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. Like, what are we doing here? This is It's just... I'm over this narrative at this point. I feel like everyone does hate on the Warriors. And I have to admit, I hopped on the bandwagon a few years ago. So I'm kind of rooting for them. But they are more likable than the Patriots with Tom Brady. Like they're definitely likable. Steph Curry is one of the most, like, lovable players in the league. Maybe in all of sports. But um, no, I I mean, it just gets kind of old when you repeatedly see the Warriors in the finals. That's fair, but I, I just want to get Clay another ring after coming back from his injuries. I think he deserves that, but then again, even though I'm a New York sports fan, so I hate Boston sports, I actually like the guys on the Celtics. I love Jason Tatum. I like Jalen Brown, but so I'm just rooting for a good series. I'm just hoping that we get some good basketball, but I don't know. I think I think in the end, the Warriors are going to get yet another championship, but we will see. Hopefully, it's competitive. Yeah. We, we all hope that both teams have fun. Uh, <laughs> I did want to throw out, so my husband asked me the other day if Steph Curry has surpassed LeBron in terms of, like, historical relevance. And okay. my, my first response was, absolutely not. That's a ridiculous question. But then I was kind of like, actually... It's possible. He plays I, a different he plays such a different game. He's evolved the game. At this point, you know, he's I think he's matched LeBron in terms of if he wins this, I think he'll match LeBron in terms of finals, right? I believe so. I think yeah, I think they'll tie in terms of championships won, but I don't know. It is really hard to say because yeah, like you said, they're two totally different players. They have different roles, but 
you can just obviously see the effect that Steph has on the Warriors and, you know, they're a totally different team when he doesn't play. The same can be said for LeBron too, obviously, but I don't know. The comparison game is just so hard, but I think I think if Steph wins another finals, then it could be said that I don't know if it could be said that he's better, but it is just so hard because with the amount of points he scored, he's the greatest shooter ever. I think he's definitely up there. He's definitely on the Mount Rushmore, I would say, of basketball. But I don't know. It's hard to say if he's better than LeBron. It's it's so hard because they're such – I mean, there are such different players. They've directly competed, and LeBron's won some, Steph's won some. Right. Um, also for the record, LeBron has won four championships. Steph has won three. Um, so they can tie just to, just to confirm, but, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, and I feel like what else is interesting is, you know, LeBron was always kind of, he had Dwayne Wade, right. Right. In Miami. Um, he had Kyrie when they won in Cleveland. Um, but I feel like the Warriors have always had such a well-rounded team. Yeah. And coaching has played such – like Steve Kerr's name is, you know, just as high as Steph Curry's name mm-hmm. when you talk about the Warriors' success um, as opposed to when the Cavs have won championships. It's kind of like LeBron James, dot, 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 like Dwayne Wade, Kyrie Irving, and then yeah. everyone else. Um, so I do wonder if that is influencing my bias against Steph that he's – been lucky to have so many or fortunate to have so many players around him right yeah he has had you know Kevin Durant don't forget that and then obviously (laughs) I forgot Kevin Durant (laughs) right I think I think that would help him but I mean just the trio with him and Clay and Jaymond is unreal and then Andre Iguodala has played such a huge role as well just honestly the Warriors are just a dynasty and it's not just made up because of Steph obviously he's the most important player on that team, but everyone has just contributed to these wins and to these championships. So yeah, I think it's definitely more of a team effort when it comes to the Warriors and when in Steph Curry, but then in terms of LeBron, it's more of a, you know, he's leading the way. It's obvious that he's the best player on the team and the MVP, but yeah, they, it's just hard to say like we've been talking about because they're just so different, but they're both great. We'll, we'll just say that. I think they're both obviously all-time greats. And who knows if, you know, Steph wins one or two or more championships in LeBron, if he'll be the greatest. But I just want to enjoy, you know, watching them now. And who knows how much longer we'll get to see him. So I'm just, I'll just sit back and enjoy the dominance of Steph Curry right now, even though it's probably not popular with with a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, let's not forget that Bill Russell has... <laughs> 11 championships <laughs> okay. to his name. Uh, so, you know, as we're discussing LeBron and Steph being the GOAT, you know. It, that's just not forget Bill Russell. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> that's, like, well, unmatchable. It's really easy to forget, like, the Celtics dynasty from, like, back in the day because it was, like, the 60s. But, right. yeah, they were – it was funny because I was saying, like, I'm sick of the Warriors winning, so I'm going to cheer for the Celtics and – my husband was like, Meredith, like Celtics literally won every championship in the 60s. <laughs> but uh, that was forever ago. It was forever ago. It was before our time. Right. <laughs> the new Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Anyway, want to jump into uh, our hot topics for today. Um, Megan, I saw a really interesting article by Andy Staples from The Athletic yesterday. Uh, It's called, the article is titled, um, In a New Age, Coaches' Stances on NIL Portal Reveal Generational Divide. Uh, And I thought this was a really interesting take on a topic that's been causing a lot of drama in the last few weeks in the college football world. Um, Basically, the article discussed how younger college coaches have started their careers uh, when college football was already a multi-billion dollar industry. um, And they're familiar with working within these new paradigms of NIL, the transfer portal. Um, And, you know, basically, that's a huge contrast to what we're seeing from older coaches like Nick Saban, like Jimbo, um, who are calling for regulation and calling for all these things because they're having trouble operating and figuring out how to work uh, in this new space. Um, And I want to read a quote that I thought was really interesting. Uh, Staple said, what you're watching is the pain of an information gap in an emerging market. Nearly every private industry in America has dealt with this at some point. The salaries of software engineers, podcasters, Instagram, clothing brands, books, people aren't published anywhere. So how do companies know what to pay? Um, So... (laughs) So Megan, with that, uh, what are your thoughts on you know this idea of young coaches um, maybe being more fit or more able to operate in this new paradigm? Yeah, I feel like it makes sense. Obviously, when you think about it, these younger coaches have more so grown up, you know, in this technology age, and like you said, football, college football is already a huge money making industry, so they're kind of, this isn't as much of a shock to them. Like they could definitely see this coming. And, you know, with the rise of NIL and the transfer portal, I feel like it's just not as a shocking of an idea as it would be to these older coaches, such as Nick Saban. Um, So I feel like that's why these younger coaches are just doing better with it and can see from the player's perspective why it benefits them so much, you know, to get these NIL deals and to be able to utilize the transfer portal if they need it. So I, I'm obviously in agreement with these younger coaches because I am kind of young myself. Um, But yeah, I think it's just, it's just hard for these older coaches to keep up with everything. Obviously, they're just used to, you know, figuring out how to put together a winning football team. But now they have to deal with all this outside noise of NIL and transfer portals, which they probably just, they don't really know what to do with and how to handle. So I can definitely see how that would be a struggle for them to, you know, get used to. Yeah. And one of the things that Staples commented on was this idea that these coaches are not working in higher education. They're working in the entertainment industry. And it feels like some of these other, like older coaches in particular, have not quite gotten on board with that idea yet mm-hmm. because like when Nick Saban started his coaching career college football coaches were not making millions of dollars a year um you know these salaries are things for coaches that have ballooned with these huge media deals that have risen in recent years and with all of this money that's getting paid to conferences um so i agree i think younger coaches are coming in with this expectation that players should be getting a cut of this massive revenue mm-hmm. that's coming to college football. Um, basically, if it's benefiting the coaches, it should benefit the players who are putting this, for all intents and purposes, a product on the field in terms of a football game. 
Right. Yeah. I forget. I saw in the article, I don't know which coach it was, but, you know, mentioned exactly that, that no one would be making this money. No one would be seeing this if it wasn't for the players. They are putting together the entertainment for us. Um, and that is how that they are making money. So this is a multi-billion dollar industry. And I think they should be getting at least, you know, a sliver of that money being generated. So I think NIL is the perfect way to do that. I don't see how it is harmful personally, but um, I just I just think it's a great way for players to, you know, make some money for themselves and their families and give back in any way they can. So I'm in full support of it as long as, you know, they can stay focused on the football field as well and, um, you know, keep practicing and keep their head in the game and not get, you know, too involved um, that NIL takes priority over football because obviously they're in this position because of football in the first place. Yeah. I mean, I think the issues with NIL arise with things like collectives where you're seeing essentially, I mean, it's the same thing as boosters, right? So rich schools and schools with, you know, large, I guess, boosters who can donate large sums are able to use that for recruiting benefits. Right. Um, so this idea that Jimbo said about, or was it, which one said that the other was buying his class? I think Saban, Saban said that told, Jimbo yeah, bought yep. his class. Mm-hmm. Um, again, which like doesn't matter anymore because <laughs> those rules yeah. are like not in existence anymore. Um, but, you know, it's less on the individual level because all of this is ultimately, you know, players are seeing the money come in and that's great. Um, but it's when we're thinking about this competitive piece, uh, you know, Nick Saban's stance is like, if we're not able to create a lot, like a level playing field for folks and there's no transparency and there's no regulation, um, then you can just buy your classes. Well, guess what? Like Alabama will certainly be able to buy their classes because there's a lot of Alabama fans who are willing to pay for that. Like, Ditto with Ohio State, you know, same with Clemson or, you know, any of these big brands, um, USC certainly. Yeah, um, that's that's the thing. I don't see why Saban is so threatened about this because you are Alabama football. Like, yeah, these new NIL rules are going to, you know, cause some changes in the recruiting landscape, but you're, that doesn't change the fact that you're Alabama. You're still going to be one of the top programs every year. You're going to get the top recruits simply because of who you are. You really don't need the assistance of, you know, offering these huge deals for these recruits because just because of this money, it's really not going to change the fact that these players still want to play for one of the top programs in the country. So I just thought it was interesting that, you know, Saban's a little bit insecure that these other schools kind of have an advantage now or just the benefit of, offering some money to these recruits but i don't know i mean i think you, you know what it is he's he feels out of control of this situation right. yeah. he can't he can't personally like dole out these sums to the recruits um he can only do exactly what he's done in the past which has been successful right and you know i'm sure he's terrified that in this new paradigm, like, again, Alabama is probably going to benefit, but like, he will not directly have control over how they benefit, um, which is certainly interesting. But uh, NIL is obviously just one half of 
the chaos that we've seen in the last few months in college football, the other half being the transfer portal. Um, saw a report in the last couple of weeks that 2020, the 2021, 2022 season academic year, et cetera, will surpass the 2020, 2021 academic year in terms of transfers. Uh, so, you know, we have not seen the peak of the transfer portal yet is what I'm saying. And uh, certainly, you know, that also has caused some consternation for older coaches as discussed in the article. Right. I, I can see why these older coaches would be against this vast use of the transfer portal because I don't know. I think they're just stuck in this mindset that once you commit to a team, you should, you know, be there for all of your eligibility. Even if you're not playing, you just have to stick with it, keep grinding, you know, that kind of mindset, which I feel is kind of dated. Um, but I see why these younger coaches are in support of it because I just feel like they understand that these players need to do what's best for themselves. And if it's not their school and their program, then they're just supportive of them, you know, kind of reaching their goals and doing what's best for them. Um, and I think mental health also plays a role in this. I think these younger coaches are seeing that, you know, being in a program that's not working for you could be so detrimental to your mental health, which is obviously a huge headline and a huge problem um, in these recent months and years. So I think just the younger players understanding or the younger coaches understanding that these players have the ability to go to a different school to see if, you know, it work out better for them, then great, they support it. But I don't know if the older coaches necessarily see it the same way. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's interesting because there's certainly a balance, right? And I, I'm biased, but I personally love Ryan Day's take that he's shared in recent weeks. And that's that um, if you recruit a player, you should as a coach and as a program, be committed to developing them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, if the player decides it's not the right fit, if the pr- player chooses to leave, that's their prerogative. But ultimately, like the program itself and the coaches who have told the player that they're going to develop them, you know, give them a shot on the field, like they need to hold up their end of the bargain. Um And I feel like that's really important. I think that's also a reason that Ohio State has seen a bit lower level of transfers out than other schools and why Ryan Day hasn't leveraged the transfer portal as much. Um, But also, again, if you're able to recruit top five recruiting classes, you probably (laughs) year in and year out, you probably don't need to be searching the transfer portal. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I agree with what you said and with what Ryan Day said that he obviously just cares about his players so much, which I think is just so amazing and so evident just, you know, in the way he talks and how he, you know, what he does for his players. So I think it's great that he does everything he can to, you know, make this person a great person, but also a great player on the football field. So personally, I wish that, you know, every coach was like Ryan Day and, would do everything they can for this player. Um, You know, putting the player over team success, you want this player to do well individually so each player can, you know, bring together that team success. So I just wish that every coach would, you know, kind of care more about the players and realize that, 
okay, I would love for him to stay at my school and my program, but if that's not what's best for him, then he can move on. But I did everything that I could for him. So hopefully that mindset kind of changes around college football and these older coaches um, come to adapt that mindset. But yeah, I'm just really happy with what Ryan Day is doing. And obviously it's great that, you know, it's our coach who's kind of leading the way. So hopefully these other coaches adapt that same mindset. I mean, we'll see. Obviously, coaches have leveraged different strategies when it's come when it comes to the transfer portal. Um, we've seen Mel Tucker use it with great success. Uh, we've seen other coaches be less successful with it, um, and some who choose not to use it really at all, uh, like Day. Um, obviously, NIL and transfer portal have their place. We will see how they continue to evolve, um, and I'm sure that. You know, if we have this conversation on June 1st, 2023, um, we will have learned a lot more about, you know, where things have gone uh, mm-hmm. with these two things that have been wreaking havoc on college football. Um, yeah. <laughs> We've got a little bit more chaos to discuss, uh, but we're going to take a quick break. So stay with us. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back. Um, if the transfer portal and NIL weren't dramatic enough for you, the absolute meltdowns we saw recently from Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher certainly fit the bill. The saga that we alluded to before the break took a confusing turn Tuesday when Saban said that he has, quote, no problem with Jimbo, uh, which is obviously counter to the many things he said about Texas, the Texas A&M coach in recent week, weeks. So in that spirit, uh, we thought it would be fun to share our biggest beefs with some current college football coaches. Yeah, so I just want to start off with the one I have the most beef with, to put it in a positive light, Dabo Swinney with the Clemson Tigers. I just, there's just so many things that obviously Ohio State and Clemson have faced off a few times in recent years, and Ohio State came out on top last time. But I think this is the biggest thing that Dabo did against us was rank us 11th in the final coaches poll um, two years ago when we actually made the playoffs. So Dabo is just very concerned about the Clemson Tigers and that's it. And he does everything he can to, you know, obviously make them look good and do the best that he can with them. But 
I just, oh, the fact that he ranked Ohio State 11th was just laughable, honestly, because it was obviously just so wrong. But I could just go on and on about Davo, but that was the biggest thing, I think, for me. Um, I'm going to kick off with Brian Kelly because, first of all, I think it's a really awful thing to leave your team before a bowl game and then to leave your team while you're having conversations with LSU and then adopt a Southern accent like the second you get to Louisiana. Like, Fair. he is the worst. He's the worst. <laughs> yeah, that that is honestly laughable. I think my next one would be Lincoln Riley. I did not agree with him leaving Oklahoma just, you know, obviously to get more money um, with USC. I'm all for getting your money and whatnot, but Oklahoma is what built you. You have a great program within Oklahoma, and then you seek just to, you know, make millions more dollars than you already have. I don't know. I just I didn't agree with it because you already have a ton of money. Why are you just chasing after more? But I don't know. I was I was upset to see him just kind of ditch his players in his program like that. But hey, I guess go get your bag with USC. Um, I'm going to pile on Lincoln Riley, too, because he did not abandon his players. He brought them all from Oklahoma or at least the ones that he wanted to USC. And I just feel like, I mean, again, the benefit of the transfer portal is that players can leave when the coach that recruited them leaves. Um, But it's just so like, way to leave your program in absolute shambles. Mm -hmm. Like you left, you left your team in a lurch. I mean, it was very cute that Bob Stoops could come in and like coach the bowl game and all of that. But then you brought all like your good players over. Like, I don't know. It just feels kind of lame. Yeah, I agree. I mean, literally, yeah. The you that program gave everything to you and supported you, and then you just leave them totally screwed. So yeah, definitely not a fan of Lincoln Riley after that one. Who's next? Oh, is it time for Jim Harbaugh? I think we should make it time for Jim Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh. Okay. This man just, he just irks me. He is just so arrogant. And I feel like obviously he has to, you know, year after year after losing to your rival, you just got to, you know, get everything you can out of the one win you get against them. But I just... He just really thinks he is all that in a bag of chips. And I just, obviously, I'm annoyed because we were on the losing end this past season. But he just is acting like he is the greatest team of all time. He's got the greatest players ever. And he is just on top of the world. And it is just so awful to see because we have to wait until November to get our payback. So it is just a struggle right now, um, just waiting until the game later this year. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pile on Harbaugh, too. Uh, The worst thing that he said was when he said that some people wake up on third base and think they hit a triple um, about Ryan Day after last November. Um, And I'm just sitting here like, I'm sorry, Jim. Like, Ohio State 
the program was in shambles in 2011. And then Urban Meyer and then Ryan Day in succession built it into the machine that it is today. And how many times did you get beat? Like, they managed to turn things around really quick. Why couldn't you? Like, stop mm-hmm. acting like Ryan Day did absolutely nothing. Um, he's a phenomenal coach. He's beaten you several times before. Um, also, his old – like, thank God he switched to Lululemon khakis because his old khakis were stupid. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I think we can – That'll get him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can wrap up there. <laughs> yeah, we could go on and on about Harbaugh. Um, but yeah, I think obviously I don't have any real beef. He's really like he's not that bad of a guy. But obviously, we just despise he, he really him. isn't that bad of a person. Yeah, <laughs> but okay, he just okay. wears stupid khakis and coaches that team up north. So we don't yeah. like him. Yes, that's that's exactly it. I was watching um, the episode of Parks and Rec yesterday where Leslie is building – if you're not familiar with the show, I'm sorry – where Leslie's (laughs) building the park on Lot 48 and like the park architect from Eagleton like presents this beautiful design and she's like so mean to him because he's from Eagleton. But he's like super, super nice. Anyway, that's kind of how I feel about Jim Harbaugh. I'm like I know he's a nice guy. I know his players love him and like I know he's like – fine but i don't care because <laughs> he's from yeah, michigan exactly yep um we, we anyway uh before we wrap up the show megan do you have any shout outs yeah i just wanted to shout out the new york rangers i am a blue jackets fan first and foremost because i am from columbus but my dad's from new york so the rangers are my second favorite team and they've just been so exciting to watch in these playoffs came back um and won in game seven in their past two series And now they play the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight in game one. So hoping for another series win, but they've just been so exciting to watch in these NHL playoffs, which has just been so fun to watch in general. But yes, go Rangers. Thanks. Um, Mine is less though a shout out and more of, I guess, a memorial. I don't know. Um, So we did not have our show last week, but obviously uh, we had Memorial Day on Monday. And I hope that everyone is able to take a brief moment uh, to remember the sacrifice of our service members and why we celebrate that day. All right. That's all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow Megan at Megan Hustline, me at Meredith Hine, and the site at LandGrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl. And as always, go Bucks.